0: Hello, homemakers. Welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife. I'm a mom to four grown kids, a granny to one baby boy, and I've been practicing the art of home for over 30 years. If you're new here, welcome. So glad that you found us. If you are a regular listener, welcome back and thank you for your faithful tuning in every week. Um, today we have a new homemaker portrait for you. It's a newbie homemaker portrait. I'm going to be talking to Hannah Torres, who's been married for just about two years. I think she just had her two year anniversary and we're going to talk all about that journey and what that's been like for her and her husband. And we're also going to be talking about Hannah's, um, unique experience of living in a mixed Hearing household. So Hannah is hearing and her husband is deaf. And that presents some very unique challenges to their homemaking. Um, it presents some unique benefits as well. And so we're going to talk about all of that. It is a fascinating conversation. And like we always say on the show here, um, even though you know if this doesn't apply to you personally. It's always beneficial to enter into somebody else's story, walk a mile in their shoes, and just understand what it's like for somebody else's daily experience in the home. It grows us in empathy. It helps us to be more compassionate towards others and perhaps um, gives us some perspective on our own journey. So I know you're going to enjoy that. You will notice um, a different kind of sound on this episode. Hannah's episode was the first one that I did via uh, video recording or long distance recording. So it was—it's not Zoom, but it's sort of like Zoom. So we got together over the internet, basically, and we did this recording. You've heard this on other podcasts, but I know you're—you're used if you're a longtime listener, you're used to a certain um, sound. On the art of home. And I just wanted to let you know, give you a heads up that the sound is going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm pretty pleased with the way it came out, but bear with me because this is a new uh, experience for me as a podcaster. And I will be tweaking this over the next um, year to figure out what's the best sound quality for doing these, these remote, um, podcast interviews. And this is great news because once I can figure this out, then I can possibly open up the podcast for people to apply all over the world to be on the show. So prayers, uh, I would appreciate your prayers for that as I work through this new technology. Just a quick note about the newsletter. Uh, We are continuing to explore the topic of our first pillar of homemaking, identity, in the newsletter. We had our deep dive into identity with Um, Susan last week and we talked all about all the things. It was very long. Um, I didn't want it to just be one and done. I wanted to continue to explore those concepts that we talked about with you all. And I figured the newsletter was the best place to do that. So each week in the newsletter for the rest of this season, there will be something in there addressing the topic of the pillar of identity. Um, I'm doing some summaries on what we talked about in the episode with Susan and then maybe pointing you towards some resources that might be helpful for further study and further thought on your part. Um Yeah, I just want to put some things into your hands that will help you to really grasp onto this pillar. And we'll continue to talk about all of the pillars throughout the rest of the year, and we'll revisit identity as we look at each of the next three pillars, because they all depend upon one another. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, (laughs) go back to our birthday episode that just aired last month and give that a listen because I introduced the concept of the Pillars of Homemaking on that episode and I do sort of a 10,000-foot view of all four and give some direction on where we're going with those things over the course of this next year. It's going to be a really interesting exploration and I hope it will be edifying. I hope it will encourage you and help give you some, some concepts and some thoughts to sort of... Um, direct and define your purpose as a homemaker. So make sure you're signed up for the newsletter because that's where we're going to keep doing our exploration. Go to the show notes below, the description box below, and there should be something that says sign up for the newsletter. It's totally free um, and I will not spam your inbox, I promise. And uh, the other way you can sign up is just go directly to our website, go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. We also have a newsletter archive. So if you want to get an idea of what the newsletters look like, you can go to that. Um, that's on our website. Just do the look at the menu bar, do the drop down menu and you'll find it there. The newsletter archive has newsletters starting with season nine and the ones for this season will be put up into the archive at probably sometime during next season, whenever I have an opportunity to do that. So if you want to get the newsletters in real time, you need to make sure you're signed up for our email list. But just go back to the archive if you missed anything, or if you want to see what you're signing up for. Okay, I think that's all that I needed to update you on. So let's get on with the episode, shall we? Whatever you are applying your hand to as you listen today, I know you will enjoy Hannah's story of home. All right, so I'm here with Hannah Torres. Um, so Hannah is a newbie homemaker, and we're going to hear all about her journey um, into homemaking. But before we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, Hannah?
1: Yeah, Where you are today? Yes. So I am 25. I got married almost exactly two years ago. So we're going to celebrate our anniversary next week. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. We're going on a cruise, which was a bit compromised for me, (laughs) but it it will be fun. And I'm praying for no seasickness. Exciting time.
0: Oh, is that why it's a compromise for you? You worried about that?
1: Yeah. I think it's just, I don't love planes either, but it'll be okay. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, so I got married two years ago. It's a little unique in our relationship because I am hearing my husband's deaf. Um, and so my day-to-day life consists of my work as a sign language interpreter. I work freelance, so some days I won't take any gigs, some days I'll take several. Um, and then we use sign language in our house. So um, this is probably the first time I've talked <laughs> in a few days. Um, So that's fun. And then I love to read. I love to journal. Um, I have a couple book clubs that I'm in, and I like to write. It's kind of what I do for fun. Okay, cool.
0: What's your favorite kind of genre to read for books? Do you like all kinds or fiction, nonfiction?
1: Yeah, I try to read one nonfiction book for every two fiction books because for me, reading sounds very... um, intellectual and like you're improving yourself, I mostly do it to escape. <laughs> so it's kind <laughs> of like my social media. So I try to read a Christian or a nonfiction book every couple of fiction books to really prove and grow my walk with the Lord. So um uh, yeah, I like speculative fiction when I'm reading stories. So kind of like science fiction, but not robots more of like what could the world look like in twenty oh. years that kind of thing. Oh yeah. cool.
0: Yeah. Do you have any rec do you have any recommendations for that? That's a new genre. I'm not really familiar with that.
1: Oh boy, so many. But one of my favorites is called The Age of Miracles. Um okay. by Karen Thompson or Thomas Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a really good one. And she has another book that just came out that I have not read yet, but it's called The Dreamers. So cool
0: okay that sounds that sounds really cool I'm really into the um sci-fi world right now because I just finished reading through for the second time the C.S. Lewis space trilogy but really it's I'm supposed to call it the ransom trilogy because he did not want it to be called the space trilogy I did not know this okay yes so have you ever read have you ever read it I have it's quite a trip (laughs) it is and um, there's a companion book that I highly recommend to help you really kind of get into C.S. Lewis's mind about <gasps> what what he was thinking and why and what all that means, because it is really kind of weird. Yeah. Um, it's called Deeper Heaven, and it's by Christiana Hale. It's a reader's guide to C.S. Lewis's Ransom Trilogy, Deeper Heaven.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: It is fascinating because it talks about how he has, um, his cosmology view was a, like the way that the middle people in the middle ages viewed the cosmos. Uh. And yeah, it is like really trippy. It's really great. And there's a lot of of course spiritual um, you know, spiritual meanings and all of that, but it is just it's really fascinating. So, you might you might enjoy that. Yeah. Okay. So married, you are hearing, and your husband is deaf, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that (laughs) and what that means in your home and, and for your homemaking. I'm excited to hear all about that. But let's go back to the beginning of your story. And when you first became a homemaker, did you have any skills? Well, first of all, when did you become a homemaker? Did you ever live on your own before you got married, or did you just move straight out?
1: I did. Uh, live on my own. So when I graduated high school, my family adopted my brother. Uh, and so that played into my decision to go to community college first so that I didn't... Because I wanted to go to school pretty far away. And so I wanted to actually know this brother that my family was adopting. And I'm so glad I stayed. And then I got to every day ride to school and take turns driving with your lovely daughter-in-law, Tiffany. Um, yes. that's where I started learning sign language. And so I'm very thankful for my time extended in San Antonio. And then I moved to SFA is where I went to school out in East Texas and lived in a dorm, lived in an apartment with a good friend. And then COVID sent me packing home for my last semester of college. So I got to live at home for a little bit longer. But it was really a sweet time looking back at it. It was weird, but it was sweet to just be back with my core family for a little bit and then um, move to Austin. uh, And I got a job there and lived with some interesting roommates. And (laughs) um, from there, my husband and I got engaged and we were very, very blessed to get a house right before things went a little haywire. And I moved in once we got married, so... Um, I did have the experience in college of putting the liquid detergent in the dishwasher. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had my go at, at those learning curves, but uh, I would say from the beginning, like one of my roommates, says was my best friend. We love to decorate and we love to make it a place, even though we're both introverts, make it a place where other people felt welcome. So that was kind of my introduction to caring about my home and and what it means to other people. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Did you
0: do chores growing up at home when you were, when you were growing up, did you have to, how about with laundry or cooking or anything like that, that helped build your skills?
1: Yes, for sure. My mom was an amazing teacher. It's an amazing teacher. I probably text her daily with some kind of homemaking question. Um, so she's just better than Google. It's it's going to be true forever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. Yes, yes. Mom
0: is better than Google yes. for sure.
1: And if I Google something, I need to confirm because she may have a better answer. Just never know. Mm-hmm. Um so yes chores before I was allowed to read <laughs> uh so that definitely I think helped having that foundation for sure yeah okay
0: that's that's awesome so what about where you are right now in your homemaking journey what what are some things that you're struggling
1: with uh maybe some learning curves that you haven't quite <laughs> gotten over yet Yes. I feel like it's very much a one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. Like I, I finally, I did move from working full time to when I got certified as an interpreter, working on a more freelance basis, um, as we're preparing to hopefully start a family soon. So, um, it's been really wonderful and I got into this lovely routine and then our, whole house decided to leak and flood not our whole house but a good portion of it so it's Uh, been like just survival mode and so having grace for myself in that and for us in that um has been an adventure
0: (laughs) yeah oh my goodness um okay well so you're dealing with all of those things let's talk a little bit about expectations. What are some things that that surprised you about homemaking, either good or bad, just something that you didn't expect
1: along this journey? Yeah, I would say I've always been pretty fiercely independent. I think my parents would agree with that. Uh, And so I was really worried coming into marriage that I would be the one cleaning everything and that my husband would just Throw his socks on the floor when he walked in the house. I mean, I knew that that wasn't his character, but I was just worried about that becoming my reality. Yeah. He is very mindful. Of course, there are things that I'm like. How did you not see that? Can we not? Put that it, but knowing that it it's not intentional, it just literally does not pop up on his radar is helpful to me. There are Mm -hmm. other areas where I'm like that. And he's like, oh my goodness, you know? Um, So just having grace for each other in that. But I guess it surprised me uh, the joy that I can not obtain from homemaking because I don't think that that is where it comes from, you know, it's from the Lord. But um, just the little things that I'm able to do that not only, you know, bring joy to my husband and I, but to others that we welcome into our home. I just thought Mm. that it would be really stifling. I was not very organized growing up. I was very messy. And I think I just kind of came into my own um, in college. And now having a home, it's like, oh, yeah, I do care about knowing where things are. There's not a mom to come behind me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not my natural uh, tendency, but I enjoy cultivating that now and it is an active choice to cultivate it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's really good well what's an
0: expectation that you maybe had to let go of just something that you were kind of holding on to and then you're like eh, this is just not good for me to keep grasping on yeah
1: one thing that my mom and my mom is wonderful and she gave me when I moved out and then when I got married like her little kind of cheat sheet of tips and tricks which I refer to all the time still Uh, Oh, awesome. Yes. I know. I can even send it to you or she, yes, (laughs) that would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah. She's great. But, um, she always without fail, maybe once or twice would always clear the dishes at night before everybody went to bed, which is Uh pretty reasonable. We have a freakishly small sink as well as the fact that (laughs) right now our dishwasher is broken. Like it's just another thing. So that's just one example. But the bigger picture being I kind of replicate, try to replicate people in my life and their hard and fast rules may not work for me as a hard and fast rule. And that's okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. And sometimes I expect XYZ to be done at the expense of valuable time with my husband or with others And realizing that it does not make any lick of a difference to him, whether there's a cup left in the sink and that that could mean, you know, more time watching a movie together or whatever it is and just letting go of that expectation that everything is just so Mm -hmm. before bed or whatever Mm -hmm. it is.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really, that's a really great observation and good learning there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I had a similar experience with how I, The expectations I think I had placed on myself, whether it was because it's the way I grew up or it was just what I thought qualified me as a good homemaker, Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of it had to do with keeping the house looking a certain way or clean or, you know, whatever it was. Generally, it was about the look of the house and how much cleaning I was getting done. And I was very busy with a lot of kids and stuff. And I I would tell my husband, like, I feel so bad because this isn't done or this isn't done, Mm -hmm. you know, and... I thought he expected that, right? Because right. that's what I expected of myself. And he was like, No, actually I would much rather have a peaceful and happy wife when I come home than right. a frantic, crazy person who's trying to get all these things done that just don't really matter. I mean, you know, certain levels of cleanliness. Yes, we do want that. Yes. <laughs> for health and safe for health <laughs> and safety reasons, if nothing else. <laughs> but what I thought was maybe his expectation it wasn't at all. And so that's why communication is so important just to make sure that everybody's on the same page and don't make assumptions. So that's really good. Yeah, absolutely. And yes, we definitely would love if you would share your mom's tips and tricks. Like she literally wrote up a sheet for you of like, is it like household
1: things or what's on it? Yes. I will have to dig up the one from college. I believe it was a little bit dorm specific, but could certainly be modified absolutely and then the other one was I kind of just asked her what do you do on a daily basis like what's your week look like and so she didn't even have it typed up it's become just habit for her and so she thought through it over the course of a week and typed it up for me and then sent me a checklist so referring to that but not using it too rigidly has been helpful for me
0: Mm. that is such a fabulous idea I love that you did that um yeah, that's. I, I hope somebody's inspired when they hear that. You know, we'll we'll try to link what, you know, get that from yeah. you, and then we'll link it. But that would be a fabulous thing for someone to go to their mom or you know some influential person, woman in their life, and ask them. You know, what does your look your week look like, and could you maybe help me make a checklist? So smart. Okay, speaking of that, let's talk a little bit more about setting and keeping goals and priorities. So what is a practical step that you take to help you set and keep your priorities?
1: Yes. So I'm a paper planner person or have been Mm -hmm. and it is just less and less realistic because our shared digital calendar helps keep both of us very much on track. So I've started doing Mm -hmm. things that way and as unesthetically pleasing as it is, just the notes app on my iPhone, making a little checklist and checking it off. It's just easier. It's always with me rather than my huge, pretty planner that just is not very <laughs> realistic. I know. So I love it, but it, it just serves a different purpose for me now. Um, <laughs> and just trying to stay on top of things without being too legalistic about it. Mm -hmm. I love the book Atomic Habits. I don't remember who the author is, but it's been a real popular one. And trying to stack habits, Mm -hmm. not kicking myself too hard if it doesn't happen. But my, for example, morning routine is always my time with the Lord and then my workout or yoga and then writing. So almost always those are like dominoes. So building those in as stacked habits is very helpful to me, including cleaning and housework and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask, do you stack your your house uh, cleaning or your housekeeping habits as well?
1: To an extent, yes. It's just hard because some weeks it's like, oh, we have, we're going to eat out on three different nights this week for parties mm-hmm. or whatever. Oh, there's no dishes to be done. Lovely. Then other weeks, it's like every night at home. So, you know, it differs, yeah. but I try.
0: And it probably, because you do some freelance work outside the home as well, that probably throws a monkey wrench in things occasionally.
1: (laughs) Yes, very much. I used to love like timing out my day by the half hour, which is (laughs) lovely, but it doesn't work when you're not working nine to five every day. I mean, sometimes I get a text last minute and it's like, Hey, can you come interpret? Sure. So I just don't know what's going to happen on a given day.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What kind of work do you do um, as a freelance interpreter? Just out of curiosity, somebody might, you know, a lot of people listening might not even know what that means.
1: Yeah. So, um, anybody who requests a sign language interpreter, there are a variety of agencies in almost every city, but Austin has very many, um, and anybody, so a doctor's office or even the deaf person themselves going to a private event, so anything from an AA meeting, a doctor's appointment psychiatric appointment a school meeting all of those in the past month I've covered um, wow the the range of those kinds of things so mm-hmm. it every day is very different which I like a lot uh, and sometimes it's a lot of the deaf person talking so they're signing and then I'm voicing what they're signing or sometimes it's a lot of like the person is presenting in English and then I'm signing ASL to the deaf audience so Mm. Okay. <clears throat> Interesting.
0: Um, remind me, well, I'll just ask you now, like what, I, I know that as far as, um, creating, okay, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, accessibility, yes. right? Is that the right word? Okay. So creating accessibility because this medium, mm-hmm. it's audio, yes. right? So <laughs> how would a deaf person, um, how can we make podcasting more accessible for the deaf community?
1: It's interesting because there are a few podcasters, I forget the word they keep using. They're changing the word podcast. It's deaf people who are making quote unquote podcasts, which are their vlogs, but they put them on Spotify essentially, which is wonderful and great and lovely. And Spotify and Apple now both do have more captioning ability, so that's great. It can... The words and the captions can lay over the podcast. I'm not sure how the podcaster makes that happen from their end. But I know it is possible, uh, mm-hmm. potentially for a premium. I don't really know how it works. But the, the beauty of podcasts is that I can walk around and clean and drive and do whatever I'm doing and listen to it at the same time. So... yeah early in our relationship, my husband and I would take walks and I would interpret a podcast that I just thought was so fascinating. And it was, it was great. It was fun. I would walk backwards and fall into things and it was great, (laughs) but it's not, he always says, I mean, the benefit that you get from being able to drive and listen, I mean, I'm just never going to have that. He can't watch a video of captions or sign language and get that. So to a certain extent, I mean, a lot of podcasts do transcripts. It's very awkward to read.
0: Yes, dialogue I know. Like
1: that. It's great that it's there and accessible, but most of the time, if I want to share information from a podcast with a deaf friend, I will just summarize what I learned from it. Or I like when there are show notes that have very clear um, resources and takeaways without being like, I'm going to have to read through a thousand ums and all of this mm-hmm. extra mm-hmm. information. Uh, so yeah. that's kind of a yeah. gist. Okay. No,
0: that's fair. Because uh, I have done transcripts in the past. And the thing about transcripts is it's it's kind of like an AI thing where mm-hmm. you, you just plug it in and then the AI spits out the transcript. And some of them are really good, but they're not perfect. It's not right. as if you had a transcriber, a human, mm-hmm. you know, um, typing everything up. And there are lots of the way that we speak, there's a lot of ums and pauses right. and this that, and so it's very labor intensive to go back into a transcript yes. and edit it so that it would read better. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of been a stumbling block for me personally as a podcaster. I was just curious what your thoughts were on that, since that's your regular experience with your
1: husband. Yeah. So yeah,
0: I love that you did it on walks though, <laughs> uh, walking backwards and translating. That's that takes some coordination. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yes, it does.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. Since we're on the topic of media, um, how do you maintain a healthy relationship with social media if you engage with that, but then also just with media in general? And how is it a part of your household, but not, um, you know, a bad part of your household?
1: Yes. It's funny because as we've been, you know, talking about growing our family eventually, it's like, there are so many things I'm like, oh, we can't, we can't watch this once we have kids or we can't listen to this once we have kids. And it's nothing (laughs) like explicit or horrible. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, well, wait, shouldn't we only be consuming things that we think are wholesome too? And of course there's room for being adults and having a higher capacity for that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we try to be careful and for me, it's more a matter of I did have that initial, you know, I grew up, I'm, I'm a pastor's kid and, and my parents were flexible with us, but, uh, kind of realizing my own personal convictions and where those stand and, mm. um, kind of getting a, a little bit more flexible as an adult, but then also coming back and making sure that I'm spending time in the word and not getting so overloaded with the constant stimulation because it's there. And, for me, it's not so much social media, more so constantly listening to podcasts, whether they're about wholesome, great topics or um, whatever it may be. It's still just constant stimulation for me that's taking me away from like a prayerful mindset. So I try to incorporate at least 30 minutes of just complete silence every day, which is something that I, I feel like my husband is... 10 years ahead of his age all the time because he just has so much time to reflect uh, and be with himself because he doesn't have that stimulation to constantly hear others. And so trying to incorporate that in my own life. Um, And then, like I said, not trying not to read just to escape Uh, any book I read. I try to talk about it with at least one other person in my real life so that Mm -hmm. I'm connecting instead of just isolating. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's some really great insights. Thank you. I love... That's a great goal. 30 minutes a day of silence. It's hard. I bet. Yeah. Do you have any tricks or tips that you've learned to make that a possibility?
1: Well, at first I had to... I think it's a great practice. Yeah. At first I had to put in my AirPods and just listen to like thunderstorm sounds. So that Mm. there was something playing like rather than just dead silence. Uh, But then once I took them off and just listened to, I mean, it sounds corny, but just like the sounds of nature outside. And I mean, for us, there's also the highway, but just like (laughs) taking in what's around you and being mindful, like all these things sound so cliche, but they really do help to ground me. So I think taking that time, no matter what you're listening to or consuming, it can be good things, but it's still... Still an external source rather than you and the Lord, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you do any social media at
0: all? I do or are you have, like not an Instagram?
1: I do have social media. I just don't post a whole lot or, or use a ton. I mm-hmm. find a lot of helpful information on it though, and I like connecting with people. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: okay. Well, Let's talk about some temptations and challenges besides handling uh, media's influence in our lives. So I will give you three options here, and you tell me which one of these have you struggled with the most and what's God teaching you through it. So A, uh, I struggle with comparison to other women or homemakers. B, I'm just a homemaker. I'm not getting paid for this. It's not a real job. Or C, superwoman trying to do all the things.
1: Hmm, probably trying to do all the things just mm-hmm. between work and to me work is not sometimes I would rather work than be at home <laughs> <me work>. because <laughs> yeah. it, it, you get paid and it just feels there's more appreciation. I mean, my husband is really great about saying thank you, but mm-hmm. there's just stuff he doesn't see when he's at work or you know you don't realize until your clean roommate leaves during college that you're like oh yeah. they were the one doing that you uh-huh. know so uh-huh. uh it's just nice to go to work and feel most of the time pretty appreciated so uh again i do feel very appreciated by my husband it's just a more uh immediate response sometimes at work. absolutely absolutely yeah i had a guest one time say that
0: um A lot of what you do in homemaking is not ever noticed until it's not done. Right.
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of comes with the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are there any, is there a particular special challenge that you have faced in your homemaking journey and how are you working through that challenge to adapt and to grow? What's maybe something you're thankful for about that challenge?
1: Yeah. I think it goes back to just letting go of that vision of perfection uh, and the expectations that I impose on myself. Mm -hmm. It will be very interesting to see, once we do have kids too, as far as a mixed hearing and deaf household, I mean, we already do have our challenges. Yeah. Um, we have like the Hue smart lights, so I can you know click my phone and like flash his lights upstairs when I need his attention. Uh, his office oh. is up here, so there are things definitely you can do to kind of make your house more accessible, which is great. But there there are just challenges that come with that, and I guess this is more of a, a marriage or parenting thought. Yeah, but this
0: is, no, I would love to hear this because this is a, you know, this is a foundational pillar of homemaking is is the community within the home and that's our relationships and then the community outside the home, that's like hospitality and stuff. Right. But yeah, I mean, this is a huge part. The home is the people that live in it. So yeah, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear about some of your challenges of, um, what did you say? A mixed
1: yeah, hearing? mixed hearing and deaf household. So okay. one of the bigger things for me, and I know everybody has, I have wonderful in-laws, wonderful family, all of it. Love it. We have awesome friends. Our house, I mean, we're very blessed that we have plenty of room for guests. And so we've had a few times where we've always made it known, you know, our house is open if you need a place to stay. And in the, For whatever reason, in the past couple of months, it's been uh, just, it feels like a few times in a row that people have have needed to come over, which is great. But uh, beyond just the, a couple of them were last minute. And so beyond just the scramble to like make things look the way I want them to look and, and all of that, when we have anyone over who does not know sign language, I also get the opportunity to interpret at home. Uh, Uh, which is another layer. So encouraging our guests and the people in our lives, uh, to struggle through communication instead of always burdening that burdening, burdening that it has been helpful. It's also hard. Uh, I mean, we have printed finger spelling sheets or we tell people, um, the apps that they can download to have a speech to text. So you just speak into your phone and the the words will populate. It's not perfect, but it's something. Uh, Yeah. And just trying to empower them to do that and making our home as inclusive as possible. And not only to take the burden off of me, but also because in an ideal home, you know, communication should be clear for everybody. And so I want and what we'll strive to do with our kids, whether they're hearing or deaf, we we don't know yet. But um, to have them be able to communicate completely freely with my husband, their dad, that'll be something big. So mm-hmm. it's definitely probably one of the biggest factors in our home for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a wow. That does bring a whole nother level. And I didn't even think about that, that you as a hostess in your home with whoever comes in there, if they don't know sign language, mm-hmm. then that's on you to to facilitate that communication between them and your husband. So,
1: right.
0: Wow. So besides the blinking light thing, are, are there any other things that you have implemented into your home to make it work more smoothly?
1: Um, I painstakingly went through a few different mirrors that I liked or didn't like. A lot of deaf people, well, Place mirrors very strategically in their home so that you could be facing one way and then have the other person in another location and then see each other and communicate without looking at each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I of course wanted my mirrors to be pretty. I don't want a bunch of um, like door <laughs> hanging mirrors just randomly placed. So that's one thing we kind of did. And other than that, not so far. But I've I've helped a few people. Another thing I do is consulting kind of on the side with technology for deaf people, but they have, you know, like it'll light up if the baby's crying or if a uh, fire alarm is going off, different things like that. So, yeah, um, yeah. thank God for technology. Definitely. Yes. It oh my goodness. makes our life I mean, easier. Absolutely. Wow. That is
0: just fascinating. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about hospitality then. Mm-hmm. Um, What is a practical way that you show hospitality in your homemaking to your husband? How do you guys make each other feel welcome in the home? Um, Maybe some special things that you do. And then we can talk a little bit about extending hospitality to others outside the home.
1: Yeah. Again, I think I came into this just worried that I would be stifled or that I would be doing everything. So we kind of did walk through when we got married, okay, these are the things that I don't mind doing that I like doing and vice versa. We're at a point right now where my schedule is so flexible and his is very much stringent. He's a civil engineer, so he works very hard and I'm so thankful for that. So for me, I mean, it's making home as comfortable as possible for when he gets home and I get to enjoy the fruits of that as well. So, um, I mean, it's just a a tiny thing, but the fact that I can choose, he gets home at three 30 and then he gets to work from home for the remainder of the day. So, um, having a pot of coffee ready might not be the most healthy habit, but we both like an afternoon (laughs) cup of coffee. So having that ready and then getting to kind of enjoy it together uh, for a few minutes before he goes back to work, And then, um, I, like I said, I love to read. And so he just likes, uh, having me like in the same room. So whether, um, I mean, if he's not in a meeting, then I'll just go sit in his office and read for a little bit if I have the time next to him or even bring my laptop and work in there. Um, so just, I I don't know if this is still a honeymoon phase thing of marriage and the old timers are laughing, but (laughs) it's one of those things being just being in the same room when I might yeah. be more comfortable in the bath or you know in the bed, but yes. making those yes. tiny sacrifices. Um, and as for him, I mean, he's wonderful. I like a lot of hugs and a a lot of <laughs> affirmation, and so he's great uh, picking up on on my needs and uh, really really helping me with that. And he just kind of the little things like. You know when you didn't even know you wanted something but then you get it and you're like oh that's what I wanted like I really mm-hmm. I'm very frugal and so I'm I'm like well we have food at home so why are we going to go out <laughs> to eat? <laughs> and so it's been a long day and not to say that this doesn't benefit him as well but he's like look let's just go out to eat like I'll drive. <laughs> so it's the small things but yeah I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I think the small things are what built up over time. That's what you build a marriage on. Yes. Or the little things. It's like the scripture that says, you've been, you've proved, been proven faithful with a little. And now I wouldn't, I'm going to give you much, the Lord says. And yeah. it's just in those little things that we prove our faithfulness to Him, but also in our marriage to one another. And as an old timer myself, <laughs> 30 years, 30 years married, almost 31. Um, Yeah, I, I can say it, it is kind of a honeymoon thing to want to always be next to each other. But I feel like that's something that you should strive to keep doing throughout your entire marriage is because it can get easy to just be like, okay, I'm going to go to my space. You're going to go to your mm -hmm. space and we'll occasionally meet in the middle. Um, And that does not make for a healthy relationship or a healthy marriage. And sometimes, yes, it requires sacrifice that we, well, I'd rather be, you know, sitting in my little corner where I have all my stuff and I'm comfy there. But if it, Is meaningful for him, for me to just be next to him. And for my husband, a lot of times that's like riding in the car to the Home Depot. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yes. (laughs) I hate hate the Home Depot or the auto parts store that I really hate the auto parts. It stinks in there. It smells like rubber and uh, I don't know, fuel or something. So, but if I go with him and just ride in the truck and just be there, he loves that. He loves that. So, no, I get
1: that totally. All right. Well, what about hospitality to people outside of your home, to other people? Yeah, I think uh, beyond just the maybe the obvious things of, you know, being ready to welcome people in, one thing that I have really learned, I do this, my, my tendency is to do this when I give gifts, when I welcome people into our home, when I do anything for anyone, I and very dismissive of my own efforts. So apologizing Mm -hmm. profusely for things that I'm first things that I'm actually sorry for or embarrassed about, and then things that I'm not even sorry for, if that makes sense. So like, for example, um, the fan in the guest bedroom isn't working. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, it's not working. I feel like that's reasonable. Uh, feel free to change the temperature. But then, and, oh, I'm so sorry that there's not a couch in here. I mean, you know, just something ridiculous. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't need to be apologizing for that. And I realized when someone did the same thing, how uncomfortable it made me. And so yes. just letting go of that because they're not going to notice half of the things, probably 99% of the things that I'm so worried about anyway. So right. extending yeah. that... Forgiveness to myself and to them. I don't need to apologize. So, yes, yes. I love that.
0: And uh, I'm most tempted to do that with food. Oh, yes. If I feel like the recipe didn't come out like quite right, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm my worst critic because I like to experiment in the kitchen and I'll be like, man, I should have added like this spice or a little bit more of that, or I should have taken out. I'm always going through in my head, like, how am I going to do this differently next time? Mm-hmm. And I I tend to verbalize that to the people that I'm sharing the meal with. yes, And it comes across as I'm apologizing. This isn't as good as I think it should be. Instead of just being silent Mm -hmm. keeping that in my brain or writing it down on the recipe for next time and then when they say this is so great don't say yeah but I should have added more salt or you know yes that's what I do as well because it does make they're trying to compliment me right and I keep throwing up you know like blocks to that instead just say thank you Mm -hmm. it's that
1: simple I know it's hard
0: yeah I get that okay
1: well um Anything else about hospitality? Any other things that you guys do? Well, I guess kind of harking back to what I mentioned about just encouraging people to communicate in a different way than they're used to. It doesn't have to be signing fluently, but kind of looking at that for my husband, you know, it feels, I don't want to speak for him, but it can feel like we're imposing on the person and forcing them to communicate differently than they're used to, whether they're in our house or we're out to dinner with them or whatever it is. Um, but looking at that more as a way of extending hospitality to them, because it's a new experience. And I, I have yet to meet anyone who wasn't, uh, glad that they expanded their, uh, knowledge and their perspective by learning a little bit, even if they didn't learn sign language, but learned, and just consider things a little bit differently. And so when we take the burden completely to ourselves, which sometimes has to be the situation, um, mm-hmm. but when we extend that and maybe it makes the conversation a little longer, it takes more time, but it ends up being worth it. And I think a win for everybody in the conversation most of the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah even if you're not talking about a situation where like what you guys have where you have um your husband being deaf and needing mm-hmm. to communicate with hearing with hearing people um that is part of sort of the mission of hospitality is to bring people in and and invite them into your story so they can see life from your perspective and then vice versa yeah. you know we show hospitality to one another when we say I want to get to know you and I want to understand your life experience and help you understand mine so that we can both grow. Right. Yeah. So I think that's really great. And I have a question because yeah. I'm just curious. How does your husband
1: communicate at work? So he has a cochlear implant or two cochlear implants in, in both ears, which is like, a, if you're not familiar, so there's hearing aids, but then a cochlear implant is like the next level up. So he had surgery when he was a child uh, and they, essentially rip out what's left of any hearing, uh, Mm -hmm. with the cochlea on, on the ear, those little hairs and they take it out and then they replace it with essentially a bionic ear. So, um, he has a normal ear on the outside. You just stick this, you, you've probably seen it before. If you saw it, you'd recognize it, but uh, Uh it's like a hearing aid and with a magnet and you just stick it to your head and it works with the inside part. So mm-hmm. he uses that to hear people and speak at work. And he has interpreters. And, and now that I'm working in the community, I have to watch out and not take assignments at his job, which would be fun, but a conflict of <laughs> interest. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, at home though, we mostly use sign language because hearing through cochlear implants is a is a lot of work. A lot of people think I was going to say is it labor intensive for him? Yes. To, Some people describe it that. as hearing underwater like when you know think about being submerged in water but that really from what he's told me doesn't capture it. Um, mm-hmm. It just gives you a headache and it's it's a lot. So I'm thankful that we're able yeah. to use sign language at home. Absolutely. <laughs> oh that's
0: really that's really interesting. Well how do you think that homemaking helps to build community?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think the most meaningful interactions that I've had within the community that I'm already a part of were in people's homes. Uh, That's not without exception, but um, like one of my kind of mentors, I would say every Friday she gets to work from home. And um, some of my consulting that I do, I do from home. And so we just get together every Friday and work from home together at her house. Cause she has a son with special needs that needs to be at home all the time or at her house rather than someone else's. And so we get to work together there in her home. I mean, she has permanent restroom arrow signs up because people are over all the time. Um, so, I mean, that's just, their home is truly like the example that I think of all the time for just mm-hmm. like a, a landing place or it's just so welcoming to so many people. And so um, that really is kind of my example for how they cultivate community um, and the good and the bad, or just the mundane every day, you know, let's work from home together. So I think that their openness to letting people just simply come over, which for an introvert is a very hard thing to be open to. Um, yeah, they're introverts too. So I'm like, how do y'all do it? <laughs> and they just do. Um, so I think making those sacrifices sometimes. I'm like, I'll be quiet. We can just work together. <laughs> um, <laughs> makes it just it does. It just builds community. I don't know how else yeah. to,
0: to put it. Yeah, no, that's that's a really great and unique example. I love that you guys get together and and work from home. And I wonder. I mean, I know you can't speak for her, but I just wonder if. I've had a guest who's done a couple episodes with me um, that has a special needs child Mm -hmm. who requires full-time care. And I wonder if, because this is the experience I've seen in my friend Lori's life, where she, her house is a hub for community because it has to be. Like she can't just go everywhere with Carly. And so she just brings the community to her home, Mm -hmm. you know. And people can are always free to come and have lunch on her porch. She'll say, "Come, the porch is open. Come have lunch." You know that kind of thing. So, what your friend has done to invite you in and and all the other people that come in, um, to just foster that community because they they are sort of limited to where they can go to find it. So, I think that's great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen that in my friends who have infants or really young kids at home. I mean, to pack everybody up. Yes. Is so much work, and so I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll be there. And then I get the added benefit of seeing cute kids and them not being as fussy as they would be outside of their own home. Um, yeah. And so looking to that for our future, and and it's a really good example for sure.
0: Yeah. No, that's 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 a great one too. And I did that when my kids were little. My husband was working full time and traveling and going to school. And wow. we had four little kids and we lived up in Illinois, very far away from our family in the South. And so when he would be out of town, I would invite people to come to dinner and just hang out and have dinner with me and my kids. Yeah. Um, if it was a, if it was another mom who had a, a husband who was also traveling or something or just whoever,
1: yeah,
0: I would invite those people in. And that was a way to make that happen without having to drag all my kids out and, you know, go somewhere together. So that's great.
1: Yeah. But I imagine you had to let go of a lot of your expectations for how people perceived your house and its cleanliness and its look, because how do you keep it perfect with four kids? You don't. Right.
0: And even, no, you don't. And even (laughs) what I, what I offered them for dinner, um, Many times I would order takeout. I would order a Chinese takeout or right. something or, you know, or I would not necessarily prepare the meal because especially if it was a time where my husband was maybe on a longer business trip and I'm just trying to keep everybody alive yeah. and I don't really have the time to prepare another, uh, an extra meal for extra people, but I could take some of the weight off and still be able to have that much needed community that I needed mm-hmm. too um, by just, okay, we're going to order the meal in. And then we're going to just visit because that's really what it's about is getting together and, and having that community together. So yeah. I highly recommend doing that. Noted. Okay. Let's move into some rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. Um, I would love to hear about your biggest homemaking fail so far.
1: <sighs> so many of you from. will you will have more. <laughs> you will have more. I will tell you. But just so far. <laughs> yes. The first one that comes to mind. So I also have a brother who is very... Um, very much has special needs and we love him. He's the best. But anyway, he came to stay at our house while my parents went on an anniversary trip. And he's just very aware of everything around him all the time. Um, He's blind. So all of his other senses are just through the roof. So anyway, I was making lunch and I'm the kind of person, like I said, I'm frugal. So we have a working toaster but I'm not going to replace it with a nicer toaster. However, it's just very old and it's hard to clean out like all the little breadcrumbs and stuff. So when you leave the bread for too long, it starts to smoke, but it's not a fire. Yeah. It's just smoke. And we have <laughs> very well working, um, smoke alarms that are very sensitive. So for me, and for my husband, who will never know that the smoke alarm is going off, <laughs> it's no big deal. But for him, right. he's up in his bedroom and or the bedroom that we had him in, and the smoke alarm goes off. I'm like, oh, we're in the mill, whatever, I'll open the door. Well, I mean, this, like, devastated. Not devastated, but he's really funny, and he has his little sassy quirks. So every piece of food that I have made for him since, oh, don't burn it. Make sure that <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. I know, I'm not going to burn it. It's okay. <laughs> don't he was traumatized. Me. Yes. So... <laughs> It's one of those things. It's probably time for a new toaster, but um, keeping in mind who you're cooking for, how the fire alarm yeah. may, or may not set them off, and that's kind <laughs> of a silly one. I mean, there are plenty that are <laughs> that are more, you know, interesting. But I'll I'll leave those <laughs> to the imagination. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, what about a homemaking win?
1: Yes, hosting at the last minute, kind of like I said, and letting go of like. Okay, the guest bedroom is not perfect, and we had this leak, and I'm not gonna over explain myself. Like, this is just what it is. And putting myself in their position, like, as a guest, I'd be so thankful. Oh, like at the last minute, and not expecting what I'm expecting yes. for myself. So,
0: right, right. Yeah, no, that's good. So, do you have any homemaking resources or products that you're loving right now that you
1: would like to share with our audience? Um mm-hmm. I love your podcast. And oh, yes, I love another podcast called The Best of Both Worlds with um Laura Vanderkamp and I don't remember the other lady's name at the moment. But they just talk about working and being moms and wives. Oh, okay, cool. So um and they do the other oh Sarah is her name. I don't remember her last name, but um she also has a podcast it's literally all planner and bullet journal related things. <laughs> so it's a fun listen. Um, mm-hmm. and it's called best laid plan. So that one's not really like homemade. Well, it could be, but, um, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So those two podcasts are great. Um, uh-huh. yeah, that would be kind of the resource that comes to mind. Oh, and my mom recently, I was telling her that I don't like how my towels are smelling a little moldy after a couple of years. And so she told me yeah. I should use Lysol detergent for all of our towels. I was like, oh, great. Yes. Which was not in stock for a while with COVID, but now it's, it's kind of on the market again. So you are the second person in one month wow.
0: who has said that. Yes. The, the interview that just dropped yesterday, Jen May said the very same thing. That was one of her favorite products because she has a, she has a teenage boy who, pl- who plays lacrosse. Yeah. And stinky, stinky, stinky gear, clothes from practice and sweaty and all that stuff. And she said that is the only thing she's ever found that gets that funky mm. smell mm. out of like gym clothes and and lacrosse gear. Interesting. Well so I'm gonna have ha- it. I'm gonna have to try it. Okay, I'm gonna have to try that. Cause I have the same problem with my towels. Yeah. Um okay, those are great suggestions. I haven't heard of either one of those podcasts, so I'm gonna check those out. All right, how about a favorite, a homemaking hack or tip?
1: So definitely my mom's entire hack sheet um, yes. and then the Lysol laundry. And then I've yet to try, I guess this is more of a product, but um, the pink stuff, I, I have yet to try it. I don't know if you've heard of it, but my mom started mm-hmm. using it and apparently is a miracle worker. Um, we both have like glass showers and so, and we my mom nor I have soft water, so it gets very. Um, I mean, it stains yes. the entire. Uh, and I've only ever gotten housekeepers to get it out. I can't get it out myself. Um, uh-huh. And so apparently, the pink stuff is the solution. So right. the pink stuff. Yeah,
0: that's what it's called. Is it a, is it specifically for glass or for getting off hard water deposits? No, it's, or both.
1: Apparently, an all purpose. So it's like oh, a okay. gel kind of substance, uh-huh. and you just rub it on. I, again, I haven't tried it yet, but it's on my list.
0: Okay. Definitely going to definitely gonna look that it's... up. Well, let's talk a little bit about the art of home. How do you see homemaking as an
1: art? Well, I think everything is kind of an art. Uh, anything that you get to use your creativity with, which is something I enjoy a lot. Most of the mm-hmm. time not most of the time, a lot of the time it feels just a little bit like survival. But I do love when I get past baseline and then I can get creative with things. But giving myself the grace that sometimes just a survival baseline is is an art and it is something to be proud of and to find joy in for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I like that phrase, get past baseline. Yes, <laughs> it's a goal. <laughs> yeah. It's, but that's a really great way to put it because um, that's kind of where you just get those skills. And that applies to pretty much all of life. But I yeah. see it so often in, in homemaking you know, you got to get p- past baseline with cooking. Mm-hmm. There are some basic things with cooking that everybody really needs to sort of get to that point of baseline and then the creativity really yeah. can come come out. I think where people get frustrated is they try to be creative before they've gotten to baseline. <laughs>
1: so. Yes. And also I struggle with feeling like everything needs to be perfect. So for example, we'll just take cooking. Um, I feel like I'm getting to my baseline. I don't know that I'm all the way there yet, but mm-hmm. like... Before I get too creative with that, I want to get to my baseline. However, I feel like ugh, until I perfect my cooking skills, like I can't get creative with the way I set the table. That's a silly example. We don't really <laughs> we're two people. Yeah. But, you know, feeling like I can't get creative in one area of my home until I perfected every single area and gotten to baseline with everything is just not mm. the case. Like it's okay to have some fun with something that you that you can coast on even though you're not there yet with every other area.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great observation too. Absolutely. Give yourself some, give yourself some grace in that Yeah, find the, find the places where it's just really not that important to um, reach a certain standard. So that's really good. Well, how about some of the mundane aspects of homemaking, the monotonous things, the things we have to do over and over again. Um, how do you find beauty in those kinds of things?
1: Yeah, it's pretty cliche, but since the beginning of the year, I have been really good about keeping a gratitude list. I mean, every day I just list out what I'm thankful for. And sometimes it's the same thing from the day before, but I try to find something new every day. Uh, and then just, I think a lot of the the silence helps with this too. Especially because sometimes inadvertently when listening, this is kind of the comparison piece you were talking about when listening to other podcasts, again, all great, wonderful, helpful tips and all of that. It's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that that was something people were worried about and they're giving tips for how to problem solve it. Like what's wrong with me? Um, (laughs) So instead of like first thing in the morning, plugging into that voice while I, clean up something that didn't get cleaned up the day before, whatever it is. Instead of doing that, just having my silence and filling that with prayer and meditation and even just plain old silence and trying not to think helps me to kind of just get to an emotional baseline even um, that's been helpful for me. Yeah. No, that's really good. That's good. And you pretty much answered my
0: my next question, which was about gratitude um, and yeah. why is gratitude important. No, but I mean, I think it's it's really great. And it sounds like it does make a difference in your homemaking to keep that that daily journal, um, just to have it always fresh yes. in, the, in the front of your mind um, as you go through each day. So that's really good. Well, I always like to close our time talking about this sort of Titus to relationships that we have in In our lives, with because there's always somebody who's ahead of you that you can learn from, and there's always somebody, no matter how young you are, there's always somebody behind you Mm -hmm. that can learn that you can pour into and that can learn from some of your experience. Um, So first, let's talk to those older women, the women that are ahead of you. What is something that you would say to them so that they can better? understand your experience as a homemaker in your generation and how can they come alongside and and be a help to you?
1: Yeah, I think kind of what we talked about earlier in regards to like marriage, like just that ministry of presence, being there, being a support and not Belittling, which I think we can do accidentally sometimes. I've even felt this, of course, um, you know, with my sister, I'm a little more candid than I would be with just anybody. But my sister is two years younger than me, and we've essentially been on, like, with all the milestones, we're exactly, like, two years apart. So she's about to get married. And and so I found myself doing some of the, well, just wait until, or you don't even know. And, And it's like, I remember hating when people said that when I was getting mm-hmm. married. And then um, I don't like when when people say that to me about things with my house or, oh, just wait until you have kids or, and it never ends, right? Because we'll just wait until they're teenagers. So I think, I mean, fortunately with my mom and with the few people that I really feel like are mentors, I never experienced that from them. But I think we mm-hmm. can sometimes do it to make ourselves feel a little bit better like about where we're at yeah. and... That can really make the other person feel dismissed. So
0: Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. Great. What about to the younger woman? What would you say to her? To your sister. Yes, or you know, any sister. any other younger woman coming behind you. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think if they're just in general, whether single, married, whatever it is, I think not all the time, but as women, I mean, we just tend to be harder on ourselves than than we need to be. So just have grace for yourself and um, you know, the grace that you can have for yourself, no matter how much it is, like God's grace is always bigger than that. So you can rest in that and it's okay. If there's a cup in the sink, like just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, with marriage, just assuming the best of your partner and kind of letting go of those expectations that you're probably posing. On yourself from them that are not even there um, yeah that's a big yeah. one
0: yeah that is so you were single for a, a little while as an adult because you just got married two years ago um and I have had several people write to me and and ask and we're working on this we're working on get talking to some single homemakers yeah. But is, do you have anything to say to that younger girl who maybe she's in college, maybe about to graduate? And just what was your experience when, before you met your husband, um, did you have anything encouraging t- to say to her about just that, that sort of period? Not to say that, you know, she's just waiting for a husband, but just to say yeah. may, maybe something to speak into that and encourage her in that.
1: Yeah. I mean, college is such a unique time. I, I miss some things about it too. And, um, I mean, I know women who are single in their thirties, forties, and have beautiful, probably more beautiful homes than mine because they don't have a husband and kids to like (laughs) trek through it. (laughs) But, um, I think no matter what stage they're in, again, I, I guess you can't go wrong with having grace on yourself because I think I was hard on myself in college about grades and, you know, am I spiritual enough or am I doing the right thing or am I on track? I mean, I think maybe in the Christian world, it was a little bit, a little bit late. I don't know. But with, uh, the secular world, maybe a little bit early, it's like you are constantly Mm -hmm. weighing like, where am I at? Where do I rank? Um, just Mm -hmm. like letting go of that because we don't, I mean, our idea of the best plan is just laughable. I'm so happy that my plans did not work out in so many areas. So just kind of yeah. releasing it. I mean, easy for me to say, but it really is just a matter of, of kind of releasing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. How would you say that homemaking has helped Do you? This is a surprise question. Um <laughs> How would you say? Because I just thought about it when you were just talking about uh, answering that last question. How would you say that homemaking has helped you grow in your identity in Christ?
1: Hmm. I think you can think about it in general, like caring for others. Again, I was just worried that I would feel reduced to like almost a robot, like Mm -hmm. throw the laundry in the washer, wash the dishes, you know, Mm XYZ. But it really does bring into perspective, like the way the Lord cares for us. And I mean, there are times that I have had to forgive and give grace that I would not have been able to do a year or six months before whatever it is, um, mm-hmm. or maybe more easily and more quickly uh, with more ease. And so I think that Again, I'm nowhere near the Lord or Jesus, but um, trying to emulate that uh, that care that He takes with us toward my husband, toward anybody who not only comes in my home, but who I encounter in my day-to-day life. Um, yeah. I mean, it just helps me to feel closer to Him. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that as we serve our families, it's a way that we serve Christ. Right. <clears throat> And because ultimately, that's who that's who it's about. That's who we're serving in all of our homemaking um, is Him, and so that really frees us up to not be so easily offended, or not want to hold a grudge, right. or not, you know, all those things those those sticky parts and difficult parts that come with living uh, with another person.
1: <laughs> yeah, and but you saying that does make me think. You know, it's it's easy sometimes to love to show love to the people that we do love, it's much harder to love our enemies or strangers. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, when you have had a few weeks to prepare for somebody coming over or for my husband's birthday, it's so fun to show hospitality in those moments and put up the balloons and cake and whatever. Like that's when it's easy. When it's hard Mm -hmm. is like, I'll just be honest, like this person annoys me. I'm not talking about anybody who's come to my house before, so don't <laughs> worry. But like if somebody who just does not like their personality clashes with mine and they want to stay over or call me, I'm like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> you know, showing love in those instances is a greater stretch of my hospitality skills than maybe other things. So I'm absolutely, yeah.
0: yeah, no, that's great. Well, we are at the end of our time, and I just have enjoyed this conversation so much and getting to know you. And thank you for sharing just about your unique experience with you and your husband. And um, uh, I I hope people will find that fascinating, you know, about your experience as a hearing person and then your husband as a deaf person, because that's just a whole other aspect that most of us don't ever get a view into. So thank you so much for being willing to share that with us, and I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you today. Thank you so much. Yeah,
1: it's great to talk to you too. Thank you for
0: having me. Thank you so much for listening to this newbie homemaker portrait today of Hannah Torres. I hope it's been inspiring and encouraging for you. I hope you found a nugget or two of wisdom that you can take away from this interview and apply in your own life in a way that's meaningful and helpful in your homemaking. One of my favorite things that Hannah said in this interview was when she said, I love to get past baseline and then I can get creative with things. But I want to give myself the grace that sometimes just reaching baseline is an art in and of itself and it's something to be proud of. I'm summarizing there, but the concept of saying getting to baseline, and I think that's such a great way of putting it. You know, We have certain baselines of competency that we want to reach in our homemaking, whether we're talking about cooking or cleaning or or organization, or time management, or all of those things. I mean, there's so many areas that we get the privilege of working through and covering in our homemaking. It can seem overwhelming, especially for a newbie, but she's really working on giving herself some grace um, in this area, and I think that is so wise, and I just want to encourage you, wherever you are in your homemaking journey we need to give ourselves some grace and not hold ourselves to such a high standard of perfection because we're never we're never going to reach that. And the other thing that she said regarding baseline that I thought was so wise was feeling like I can't get creative in one area of my home until I've perfected every single area and gotten to baseline with everything is just not helpful. It's not true. Like I don't have to wait until I've gotten to a level of competency with every single thing before I can do anything creative or think outside the box in any area of my home. That's just stifling. Um, Give yourself some grace and some freedom to be creative in the areas where you do have more competency and more ability, and then just commit to working on those other areas where you're lacking. Of course, we don't want to just ignore the areas where we need to grow. But we want to give ourselves some freedom to expand and be creative in some of the other areas where we might already have um, attained that baseline level. So maybe the takeaway from this um, concept for you today is to think about where do you feel like you've reached baseline? That is a level of reasonable competency and skill. Um, What areas have you reached that point at? So that maybe you can go in those areas, whether it's cooking or um, laundry, or you know, maybe a skill like sewing or something like that. You feel like you've reached baseline, and now you can kind of expand and be creative. And then, what are the areas where you still need to get to baseline? Give yourself some grace, but be diligent and be faithful to keep working towards a level of competency in those areas where you maybe have where you maybe have some weaknesses. I think that's a great takeaway for today's episode. And I want to thank Hannah for her honesty and her just. Genuineness to share with us her struggles and her challenges and what God is teaching her through all of that. If you have any questions or thoughts about this or just really anything that you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Uh, There's a couple of different ways you can contact me. You can send me an email or you can leave me a voicemail. Um, You can DM me on Instagram, but I don't check that as often. So really the best way to contact me is through email or voicemail. And you can do that directly on our website. Just go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash contact. There will also be a link down in the description box for you to click on as well. Um, Okay, so make sure you're signed up for the newsletter that's going to go out on Friday. And finally, if you have found value in today's episode or any of our episodes, could you show us some love in one of the following ways? This first one is the most important thing you could do because this is really how we grow and this is how we have been growing. Share, share this episode or any of our episodes with someone that you know, another homemaker who you think would benefit from this, who who could use some encouragement. You can also leave us a rating and review on your listening app. And then finally, if you are so moved, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, Buy Me a Coffee. Tips are given in $5 increments. So you can buy one coffee, two coffees, four, five, however many you want. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash theartofhome. Well, that is it for this week's episode of The Art of Home. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. And we will be back next week with another homemaker portrait of a seasoned homemaker. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home.